This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 379 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will celebrate Borussia Dortmund winning the DFB-Pokal and qualifying for the Champions League. And for all of that, <laughs> joins me Matthias Suk. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? I never had any doubts, Stefan. I, you know, if you would have asked me back in early April, I said, of course, we're going to win the cup and qualify for the Champions League. I mean, how could you possibly doubt it? Now, I am doing very well. How are you? <laughs> yeah, Matthias, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually uh, doing really great now. Um, uh, sadly, uh, there wasn't a podcast uh, the last week because I was in Germany and, uh, Sadly, uh, I uh, attended my father's funeral on uh, Wednesday, so it was a very, very stressful week because I had all kinds of paperwork to do. But um, I was lucky to catch the cup final when I was slash packing in the first half, slash driving to the airport in the second half and watch it on my phone. And then uh, uh, I could download the game and watch it again on my phone <laughs> while I was flying. Um, so, yeah, I... I enjoyed it as much as I could, um, considering I was on the road. But um, yeah, obviously, it is just amazing that Dortmund won this game and in the fashion they did win it. Matthias, um, sadly, uh, we are uh, not as up to date uh, as, as we should be usually. But uh, nevertheless, we have some episode sponsors. And before I forget that, let's uh, announce them. Wir sind komplett schuldenfrei. Wir zahlen keinen einzigen Euro an Zinsen. So this episode is sponsored by Shrista Balachanda, by Daniel Winterton and Jordan Hunt. I hope I got all these names correctly and uh, a massive thank you to you all. Um, it's obviously a real help for us. And uh, if you people out there want to sponsor an episode as well, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall for more information. Um, Matthias... This obviously has been a ma an amazing game, and since it's been a while, I thought uh, I'll cut together the little highlight reel, and I think we can dive in uh, that before we actually discuss the game, so we have our memories refreshed. Outside of that back three, now nipping in Marco Rice, and here's Erling Horner. He's holding it up for Dahoud. Sancho, and he takes on the shot! It's brilliant! Holland, he can do damage from here. Erling Holland and places it for the second Dortmund goal. Erling Holland. Holland. And there's Supermeccano to meet him. The play is going to continue. Advantage with Borussia Dortmund, and it's Jadon Sancho who's simply got to score. Dortmund continue to play on the break, and that means Jadon Sancho, and they might really be onto something here with Azar and Holland in support. Erling Holland, and there's the shot for Holland, <laughs> and that will do it for Borussia Dortmund. That is going to make certain that the Schwarzgelben will be lifting the pot in 2021, and Holland with a double. To match the earlier brace from Jaden Sancho. So, Matthias, how great was it for you to see Dortmund Goosebumps. hoist this trophy to hoist Lukas Piszczek and all the <laughs> other emotions that uh, went on during and after the final? Wasn't it fantastic? I mean, it was. It was. It was amazing. I mean, hearing the great Derek Ray. Uh, again there. I was sitting here with goosebumps listening to that. And then, of course, the fourth goal hearing Casey Keller, who really needs to work on his pronunciations, by the way. 
um, laughing because of the way that goal happened. Uh, it's just, I mean, it was perfect, especially against obviously RB Leipzig, but ignoring, you know, the, the Dozen franchise, <laughs> it was, a, it's a, it was an amazing moment for Borussia Dortmund who have had obviously a very difficult season, a very topsy turvy season, seeing, uh, the way Lukas Piszczek was treated and the emotions pouring from him. I was very emotional. Uh, I was actually in Florida at the time for work and my son was watching it back at home and he got really emotional because, you know, like I wrote on Twitter, he has to have another surgery. And so, you know, it's just, it was kind of, it was one of those emotional days and, and don't want just made it so, so much better. And I did have mojitos at the beach afterwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> victory mojitos. Uh, so it was, it was great. You know, I mean, my first great footballing memory, truly great one was the, uh, when Borussia Dortmund won the cup in 1989. That <laughs> yeah. was, you know, after, after. I wasn't even born then. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Stefan. Who cares? <laughs> um, no, but. You know, after decades of really bleh for with Dortmund, you know, including a relegation to the Zweite Bundesliga, including the highest ever loss in Bundesliga history, including just three years prior to that, barely scraping through the relegation playoff against Fortuna Köln to not get relegated out of the Bundesliga to then have them with Nobby Dickel and Michael Zorc win that cup. That was huge for me as a kid at that time. Because I'd only known Dortmund mediocrity and failure up to that point, kind of like you know Schalke fans, but <laughs> at the, but at this point, uh, granted Schalke at the time were actually in the Zweite Bundesliga, but it was it was so awesome to see not just the performance, but just how much everybody cared. I mean, really cared, and then to see uh, it in Tazic's face. When the final whistle blew, uh, it was like it meant so. It meant more to him than to any coach, except maybe Jurgen Klopp. But probably it meant more to Terzic than Jurgen Klopp because Eden Terzic is from the region. He is a Dortmund fan. He was born and raised that way. Not a cliche Twitter, you know. I, I grew up in Dortmund bedsheets kind of way. But an actual grew up and don't want bedsheets kind of way. And so <laughs> it was all around. It was perfect. It was a perfect, perfect evening. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what would happen to me if I was a diehard Dortmund fan and then, uh, would as a coach win the cup trophy. I mean, the, the, the pictures were shared by, uh, Dortmund's Twitter where he uh, first of all I think a picture of him as a rather young kid in a, in a Dortmund shirt and then of course him standing uh, among the fans in the uh, I, I think that was from 2012 right I'm not entirely sure but I, I think so um, that he was just uh, there as a fan I'm pretty sure I would have just fallen unconscious you know <laughs> I was very scared for Tessage to to uh, basically do the same because you could see it in his face you know he was very very close to losing it um, but <laughs> yeah what an amazing story Matthias uh, you know there's this uh, this phrase in Germany <laughs> that people always say in jest you know uh, only soccer writes those stories basically but uh, yeah what a what a <laughs> what a great story that is and uh I'm so happy for him uh, that that uh, he out outcoached uh, Bayern Munich's uh, wonder boy, <laughs> thirty million or whatever for a third million. time. Yeah, for a third time, <laughs> not the first time, three times. <laughs> I mean, I think I think Dortmund really needed that early goal again, and. Uh, just kudos to Jane Sancho for this really cool finish because, you know, one of the, one of his superpowers I think is to really have this quick release shot. You know, where uh, I th I think in in Germany we we call it Ansatzlos, where you as a defender can hardly read the shot because he doesn't really uh, swing his foot by much. But uh, you know, it's still a very powerful curler that he shot there past Gulashi and. Uh, um, the the two defenders basically. Uh, also, another nice assist by the Hoot, who could have also I think slotted through to Haaland, but he did find Sancho. And uh, yeah, 
I think that's just absolutely clutch, this this goal. And, uh, you know, I th I think you could really see Leipzig snuffs prior to that. I mean, we, we obviously have to talk about the... Uh, uh, the, the way this goal started because it did start with Marco Royce taking the ball with uh, <laughs> former Dortmund legend Kevin Kampel. <laughs> Um and uh, yeah that w was uh, obviously a quick move and uh, I, don't, I don't know how the game otherwise would have gone but I think this was uh, psycholo psychologically such a big blow for, for Leipzig that they didn't quite know how to recover from that. And uh, I also do not remember that many big chances by Leipzig in the, in the entire first half, if I'm completely honest. I think the uh, the one by Nkunku straight after halftime was probably the, the best chance by then. Um, Matthias, how, how did you see the game? Because you just said everyone... Uh, showed up like they cared, and I, I think that's that's absolutely true. And I think uh, if 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 you will, the, the player who cared the most was obviously Marco Royce because to me, he is easily the man of the match, even though he did not score a goal himself, but he was involved in I think three out of four. You know, I'm so happy for Marco Royce because you know a lot of people thought at the onset of the season he's done. You know, he's he's over 30 now. He's had obviously his injury history and he had a very, I'd say, below average start to the season for the first half of the season. But he wasn't alone in that. I think we can pretty much say all Dortmund players were in that boat. And the way he's turned it on in the last few weeks has been I mean, that's that's the best Marco Royce you can see is what we've seen in the last few weeks. That is. 25-year-old Marco Royce, that's 29-year-old Marco Royce at his peak, now in his 30s again. And that's that's great to see. And that's why, on a side note, I'm, it's a shame that he's not going to the Euros with Germany, but I totally understand why, because he's like, well, you know, I don't have a lot of injury luck when it comes to these Germany call-ups. And uh, odds are it's going to be debacle for Germany anyway, so let me just stay home and have another great season next year for Dortmund. But, you know, he played fantastic. Jaden Sancho is unplayable right now. He is absolutely unplayable. And when you look at the way the the game played out, it was done at halftime. And you're right. Leipzig really didn't do much in the first half. They had possession, no doubt. We knew that was going to happen. They've dominated possession in the last three meetings. Um, but Nkunku had a chance. They had a few chances. There was kind of that 15, 20 minutes at the start of the second half where you could say Leipzig were the better side. But 15, 20 minutes don't an entire Pokal final make. And if we look at key stats from this game, Leipzig had 22 shots. Dortmund had 10. Dortmund had five on target and Leipzig only had four. And that's it. They are not clutch. I mean, they, they choked badly in quite a few situations where they could have, should have scored. Dolman also seven to four corners. And I always like my my loser stat is crosses. <laughs> he who crosses the most loses. Uh, if you are the team with possession, if you're the team without possession, you cross a lot. It actually can work out. But a team with 60% possession with 22 shots with 20 crosses versus Dolman's 10. This is a trend in these three Tazic versus Nagelsmann matches where Dortmund won three times and scored 10 goals, conceding four against the best defense in the Bundesliga. Every time Leipzig has crossed the ball more than 20 times. And the question is, who are they crossing it to? Because um, Sörloth was non-existent. Paulsen actually wasn't that bad, but they were... The strikers didn't exist for Leipzig in this match. Danny Olmo was by far the most, him and Nkunku were the most dangerous players. But if Denny Olmo is the, and Nkunku are the guys you're relying on to try to score your goals at Dortmund, we know that that's dangerous if you're relying on players that are not your true attackers, your strikers to score the goals for you. And that was one of the key aspects of Leipzig that once again, for a third time against Dortmund, A, didn't do anything for an entire first half, which Dortmund then controlled and essentially won in that time frame. And B, when they did come out in the second half, they were still wasteful. And they were wasteful in this situation as well. And the big difference is, unlike the last Bundesliga match, 
against Leipzig, where Dortmund let Leipzig really back in and then had to dig it out at the end and win 3-2, Dortmund really, aside from a short period, about 10-15 minutes, they regained their composure and then just kind of cruised it out. And uh, it was great that that final goal was kind of a slapstick goal because it's it, it rubs a lot of salt into a hopefully very exposed Leipzig wound. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny how Leipzig crumbles as a whole franchise, if you will, just because, you know, I, I think they're not uh, too keen on Nagelsmann now that he's leaving. There are a lot of hurt feelings over there. So, um, yeah, basically having their franchise wonderboy, Erling Haaland, who came from Salzburg, uh, break all their hearts. It's just like the the sweet, sweet cherry on top, Matthias. So I enjoy it even more. And, you know... <laughs> it was also just hilarious how Haaland just bumped off Upamecano when he scored the second goal. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how many strikers in the world can even do that. You know, uh, it, it was another great great pass by Marco Royce, but then uh, the, this, this switch of speed, basically, that Haaland just sort of stopped on an instant and then uh, Upamecano just tried to recover and just, you know, just crashed into him and uh, fell back. It was that was just amazing to see. You see things like that maybe in 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 the NBA sometimes or in in the NFL here uh, that then became like famous iconic moments uh, in the in the highlight reel. Um, so yeah, uh, that that to me uh, was was just uh, epitomizing how good Dortmund were and how poor Leipzig were. Uh, I mean, Upamecano didn't have the best game yet again. I must say, I'm I'm sure he will improve <laughs> down the road, and uh, I'm sure it's easier to go up against other players than Upamecano. But um, yeah, then also fantastic finish of Haaland, and uh, yeah, I think the in, in for for the third goal it was Upamecano again who just got Haaland and uh, I think crashed into him, and that was pretty painful. But the counter attack was on, and. Uh, Absolutely amazing composure by Marco Royce to find Jane Sancho and then Sancho to, uh, you know, take advantage of the slippery field and, uh, you know, wait until the defender had sat on his butt <laughs> before slotting it home. Um, I mean, that's that's the thing about this game. The goals were all super great. You know, the only the only uh, bummer, if you will, is that uh, Torgen Hazard couldn't uh, connect with that uh, Royce pass later and that Jane Sancho after rounding Gulashi. Um, yeah. Tried a little bit too much there and not slow down because let's be real. I think uh, if if every team had been clinical with their chances, Dortmund arguably would have won maybe six to three or something like that, if you will, or seven to three. Uh, I don't know about you, Matthias, but uh, I, I I thought that Dortmund were still a little bit wasteful um, on the counter attack, especially in the second half. Uh, not as composed, but uh, you know when when the four one uh, came, I think that really did seal the deal. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Sancho had had an opportunity, a glorious opportunity. And when you look at the high quality chances, you know, Nagelsmann after the match being the typical prick he is, I really don't like the guy. I mean, the unsympathetic doesn't even begin to describe him. Um, he, he makes uh, Thomas Tuchel look like a warm and fuzzy teddy bear. But, you know, he said we by far were not the worst team. If you look at high quality chances that should be goals, Dalton still wins the game 6-3. So, you know, it, Dalton, yes, they were a little bit wasteful. But I guess when you score four, <laughs> you can afford to waste two. Whereas uh, with Leipzig, that's not the case. I mean, it was just, you know, uh, taking all the tactics and strategy out of it. Uh, Tazic, this is the funny thing for me. And you mentioned it, you know, the the Bayern Wonder Boy, the what is it, 30 million, 25 million euro transfer fee they paid for Nagelsmann, who got outcoached three times by an by a 38-year-old assistant coach who had never been a head coach outside of kid teams, who was only an interim solution, and not only got mildly outcoached. They got he got completely outcoached and his team got completely outplayed three times. 
I it's and to do it at that in that manner, it's kind of like when Dortmund won the double uh, with Jurgen Klopp, and they did so by beating Bayern five two in the cup final. It feels the same way. The only difference is obviously then we had fans in the stadium, but that was it was kind of such a demoralizing victory over the opponent that just makes it even better. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And uh I think it's f- especially for for Dortmund fans, but not only Dortmund fans, also I, I would say a lot of Bundesliga fans um denying Leipzig a trophy for as long as possible so they c- can't put it on their stupid CV. And, uh, you know, I think for the entire self-understanding of uh, Leipzig, uh, this uh, has been uh, re- really amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say, really, but uh, I, I think we saw a lot of uh, regular Bundesliga fans root for Dortmund and we're really happy that Dortmund did win the cup. And, uh, yeah, it's... It's one of those games that I think I will never really forget and uh, will will do remember in in detail. Um, also, just because of uh, how Marco Royce played, and I I think we need to talk about this a little bit more in detail because it's it's not only that uh, he uh, you know was so uh, meaningful for the way Dortmund scored the goals. I mean, just think about the uh, was it the the four one. The counter attack where Haaland, I think, headed in the ball, and he just, uh, with with one uh, sw- really slick move, just sort of punted the ball forward. But you know that that's already a bit that that's not describing nice enough because it was a really smart and clever pass. I mean, the other aspect of Marco Reus's game that I think people tend to forget because you focus on passing and movement and goals is he's one of the best pressing attacking players in the Bundesliga. I mean, even under Lucien Favre and matches where it wasn't really happening, sometimes Marco Reus just basically said, fuck it, pressed individually, took the ball off the opponent, and created opportunities and goals. When it comes to pressing, one, pressing resistance, but also pressing and taking tenacity and taking a ball off an opponent without fouling, he's exceptional. He is absolutely exceptional, and I struggle to think of many attacking players that are better at that aspect than Marco Reus. Yeah, the thing with Marco Reus is I actually did not expect him to uh, find this peak again, especially because, you know, his speed isn't entirely there. Matthias, you just said um, that he was uh, about um, what... You said that he was in his peak in about when he was 25 or 26 or so, and you can you can definitely see Roughly. that he's not as quick anymore. But uh, nevertheless, I I think in 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 this form, um, you know, it's 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 quite amazing, and I would say he is uh, playing even a bit more intelligently than he did before because uh, the experience does show a little. So uh, in that regard, I'm just really happy uh, to have Marco Royce in this form, and I ha- really hope he can conserve it. Um, throughout the cup final because um, after and that, that's maybe the, the the one thing that that irked me a little bit and I think he said that after the Mainz game is that um, Dortmund sort of uh, started to step up uh, when uh, uh, everything was on the line i.e. Champions League but I, I think uh, this sort of mentality or whatever you want to call it uh, that Dortmund uh, you know need to feel that everything is on the line like there's a deadline uh, coming to them uh, that that makes them step up. I feel like this is something that they need to feel from the outset of the season because uh, you don't have a potential, maybe even championship winning team in there. Uh, if, uh, you know, with players like Sancho and Haaland for for a very long time, I don't know if uh, the match against Leverkusen will be Sancho's final match for Dortmund or not. Uh, we will just have to wait for the summer there. But uh, my point is... Um, if Dortmund would play like this, like they did in the last six, seven games or so, or maybe maybe eight or ten, uh, if you want to include the quarterfinals against Manchester City, um, then definitely, definitely uh, this team can go to much higher heights uh, than we've seen throughout the season. But obviously, um, that's always easy to say. It is obviously a process. The team had to develop. A lot of players were out of form and obviously... Uh, uh, they had to adjust a little bit to what Terzic wanted to do. So um, I can understand why the season was so up and down. 
um, but uh, it it does sometimes feel like a chance missed. But before we talk about all that, um, we do have a surprise guest <laughs> who I invited uh, uh, like 45 minutes before we started recording. And see, he was napping, but now he's here. Uh, Archie Rintot, hello Archie, uh, the ESPN correspondent who uh, I hope conducted the interviews after the cup match. I think you were there. So Archie, you are basically the perfect guest to have now that we actually talk about the um, trophy ceremony and, of course, the post-match interview. So, hey, Archie, how are you doing? Stefan, hello. Pleasure to, to chat to you again, let alone that it's on a podcast. That's lovely. And hello to you too, Matthias. Hello, Archie. Always a pleasure to have a legend here. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, Stefan's already here. What, what, what are you on about? <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on here. And <laughs> uh, before I, before you make me blush, um, but Archie, obviously, you were one of the few privileged people that were in the stadium. So, uh, how did you observe the ceremonies and then the the, the post match interviews? What is worthy of of your reporting here now? The thing I have to come to first is the sheer humanity of Edin Terzic. We've heard now in the last few days about this, uh, yeah, uh, any given Sunday speech that he gave <laughs> before the game, uh, according to Otto Addo, uh, the, his, his assistant coach and obviously former Dortmund player as well. Um, And by that, I mean just he managed to capture the emotion of what the players had gone through, what they had overcome, the situations that where Dortmund had not looked like the favourites in the past few weeks, and yet they'd still come out on top. And he managed to harness that and find a common goal for a set of players who, let's face it, a couple of months as a group were all over the place. And... Also, for me, I've, I've I've not been in interviewing for too many years, but uh, through the yeah through the short time that I've I've been doing this job, this was one of the most emotional interviews that I had after the game with with Edin Terzic. It's one of the only times that I've been close to tears. Just hearing the way that he talked and feeling his emotion when talking about the fact that he wasn't sure six months ago if he was going to be able to see his dad uh, for much longer. And then uh, he is now and he gets to celebrate the cup win with him. That emotion really got through to me as well. And I have to say, Edin is... Um, I, I, I can use unparliamentary language here, right? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. Oh, great. He's fucking great. <laughs> like, what a human being, man. Just, I, I've never seen someone who has united both, I would say, press corps, uh, the press officers of whatever club he, he goes to in terms of everyone is just left saying the same thing, which is what a nice bloke. And I, I had the chance to interview him in, in January for ESPN. And back then I, I didn't notice it at, at the time, uh, maybe because German is my second language and we did it in English, but uh, the people around me who I was filming it with said that, you know, Edin looked a bit nervous Before, before doing the interview. And to be fair, if we wind back that far, Dortmund had just lost to Borussia Mönchengladbach and Bayer Leverkusen in not too great fashion. Things looked very much on the ropes. There was even talk then about, oh God, is, is Terzic going to be the right guy to even finish the season with? And he, he put up a brave face that day. He has answered every question very diplomatically. I learned very quickly that it is wasting your own time if you're asking Edin Terzic about his future, because he's just not going to answer that. 
And I think he's proved to be the perfect guy to bring Borussia Dortmund forward to this point. And I think you you can tell me this as well. Um, I, I guess it, this is a question I have for you both, but he feels like the 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 hole to the soul that Borussia Dortmund fans have needed as a, from a coach since Jurgen Klopp left. I'm not saying he plugs it, but I'm saying that that seeing him, even if you can't experience it in a stadium right now, and that is that is the number one thing I think that we're all looking forward to getting back to here, at least, it just does not compare. But just his authenticity and just seeing somebody who who you know really is an actual fan of this club, I think that that lends itself in a big way to Borussia Dortmund because this is a club which, as you saw when the power is harnessed in the past, it it has to be done properly. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only agree and echo with everything that Archie just said. I think he fills the Jürgen Klopp hole in the soul, as you so wonderfully put it, but in a different way because he's a Dortmunder Jung. You know, Jürgen Klopp was not that. Jürgen Klopp quickly associated with it, but, you know, he's a Schwab. And, you know, he's not from there, whereas Tezic is from there. So it feel, it's like, you know, this is something that you think can only happen on the game Football Manager, where you take over your own team in a midseason challenge and you win something with them. But this actually happened in real life. And I remember his first press conference post Lucien Favre. And the honesty I noticed right away, he answered questions because we were used to the Favre non-committal answers, which, you know, other coaches do. Most of them do. And he answered it honestly and gave tactical insights. And that was great to see. And it wasn't to the detriment of the team because I think some coaches, they don't talk tactics because they're worried they're going to be found out. Let's be honest that was maybe thinking of the 1980s and 1990s. Now everybody sees what you're doing and you don't really have any surprises if you talk about tactics post-match. Maybe not pre-match, but post-match. And, you know, Stefan, you said something before Archie came on where he said, you know, Marco Reus mentioned, you know, now that things Dortmund were back, back against the wall and they really tried and they really came together. And you said that's something that's been missing because, you know, Bayern always play that way it seems until they finally won and then they chill out but the change in Dortmund's attitude came with Idin Tezic after a few weeks because everyone kind of had to find each other and the last time Dortmund played with urgency all the time was under Jürgen Klopp so that is kind of the the aspect of coaching that I think people tend to forget is the motivation behind it to get people to buy in and do it in hard times and in the good times and when things are cruising. And that's obviously the switch they have to make. It's a shame we're not going to see it with Edin Tezic, see how it goes when you start with everybody starting with the same amount of points and see where it goes. But I think that is the key catalyst, the key difference in Dortmund in the last three to four months versus the year prior to that. Yeah, I think there's one... Big factor, though, that Dortmund will have to compensate but will be unable to compensate because it's just impossible to do that. Um, and that is obviously Lukas Piszczek because he was reintroduced as a right back very late in the season and the way he did play was just uh, outstanding. And obviously, um, he always said that when he extended his contract for another season uh, that he wanted to win something with Dortmund. Archie, you were there. Um, how emotional was it uh, to uh, see Lukas Piszczek actually tear up and we know he's Polish and he, we, we know he's usually not the, the man for the big emotions. The, the only other time I think I saw him cry was actually uh, after the defeat in the Champions League final in 2013. Um, but he was just completely overwhelmed. Yeah, he is the model professional and the the glimpses I had of him uh, at the Olympiastadion were were brief, but you could just see just these marks on his face from <laughs> where he'd been crying. And I saw Erling Haaland jump in on his Sky interview 
and was just shouting legend uh, <laughs> that, that that was quite funny as well but for me actually the, the real the real character of lucas Piszczek, uh was was seen uh, a few days later when i was in mainz uh for for the game there and lucas Piszczek is not in the squad but he's still there in the stands and he is still very much supporting his teammates from the side at no point even when he he could not help on the pitch he was helping and being himself off the pitch and i think having somebody like that at your club somebody who's not you know dragging their feet behind them and is really just pushing for those standards those are the kind of guys you need and and, and there's also that picture from when he went back to his hometown club i think in in poland where he, he just had an operation and he's on crutches and he's on the sideline i think lucas pisek is one of those guys who just can't keep himself away from football uh in 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 some way so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing where he pops up again now but yeah what a player and i think that him leaving and marcel schmelzer now is just the final the, the final closing of the of the of the book really almost on uh, on the clock capital capital i've gone german on the clock chapter <laughs> <laughs> at, at dortmund really there's 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 few left on the playing staff who were still there and and remember that but yeah in, in in my learning of the Bundesliga, Lucas Piszczek for me is, yeah, I I, <laughs> I have a I have a little story actually. I remember uh, I was working on the was working for the Bundesliga YouTube channel um, a few years ago, and I spent half an hour finding uh, a sound effect for Lucas Piszczek uh, sliding his balls into a post, and you know. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I I will always be very appreciative of this because you know I got to classify this as work. <laughs> so um, no, in all seriousness, what a player and what what a character I think as well. Yeah, definitely, Matthias. I know your time on this podcast is running out a little for this episode because you have to leave soonish so um i don't know if you want to say anything else about the cup final or you know the the the, the very wet press conference or the celebrations or if if we should move on to the minds game and i i think we even have to briefly chat about the leverkusen game even though i'm not really prepared for that and uh, i also don't really care much about that result obviously securing a third would be nice but uh Matthias, if you have any final thoughts on that, that Cup Final, uh, please be my guest. Pokalsieger 2021. What else is left to say? Right. So uh, with, with that being said, I, I think it's uh, perfectly uh, fine now to move on to the game that uh, clinched Dortmund the Champions League. Meunier's cross. That was awkward for Da Costa. It reared up at him, that ball. Here is Sancho. And set up for the shot, and what a shot it is! A stunner from Rafael Guerrero, so technically gifted, and he showed it there. Bellingham to Guerrero, always looking to get involved. Now Jaden Sancho, still going Sancho, the backing off, and there's the second. And what a week it's turning into. For Borussia Dortmund, what a week it's turning into for Marco Royce. But Jaden Sancho was not locked down, and Mainz paid the penalty for that. Here is Holland. Can he put the icing on the cake? Opportunity for Brandt to finish it. Surely now. And Borussia Dortmund are heading for the Champions League. It's been a rocky road, full of ups and downs. But finally, finally, they are on the way. Lead 3-0. Yeah, there, there we go. Um, I mean, it wasn't the most entertaining game. It wasn't edge of the seat stuff because uh, Mainz had obviously clinched uh, their uh, staying in the Bundesliga on the previous night. And, uh, you know, I think the cup final sort of did help Dortmund in that regard because uh, if you want to call making the competition a little bit unfair, I, I think that totally happened here because Mainz were 
not exactly in their tip-top shape, and I, I think uh, both Vincent said as much before the game already, um, so that the people maybe shouldn't hold their breath too much, and uh, it wasn't also the most glamorous performance by Borussia Dortmund, but nevertheless, uh, Matthias, um, they uh, did what they had to do, um, especially, and I still don't know how it happened. <laughs> But after Eintracht Frankfurt lost 4-3 against FC Schalke, somehow, I mean, come on, Frankfurt. I mean, you, you already, Stefan, you, you you already shut the bed against Mainz a little pretending bit. That you, uh, you can stop pretending that you don't like Schalke. It's okay. It shines through. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I mean, wasn't it for a week, Stefan, here on the podcast where we always said, oh, they're playing Schalke. Well, that's the automatic win. Uh, I mean, well, it, that's what you would expect. Been. How do you lose four to three to Schalke in this season? Seriously, but, but remember, but remember, Freddy Bobic said it's been a perfect a performance mm -hmm. for a season for for Frankfurt this season, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Good good luck with that Frankfurt fans <laughs> <laughs> with that quote. I'm I'm sure no, if I were I mean, Frankfurt fan, I'd be super happy oh, with that. I'd hate that. I'd I'd hate that. But the the thing about this game, yeah, it was. I think the the uh, soundbite you had there uh, with Sancho's goal pretty much encapsulates this game because he said they're backing off and Sancho scores. I mean, that's basically this game. Mainz backed off too many times. In the second half, when they decided to press a little bit more, they immediately were more dangerous. Dortmund cut out of position. I still maintain Guerrero could be a massive liability defensively in positioning. I got absolutely slaughtered for that. Uh, opinion on Twitter, but I stand by it because we've seen it a few times, a few too many times this season where he doesn't track back and it leaves huge, huge gaps uh, in the back line. But be that as it may, Dalton got it done. And to me, this game featured the two best coaching stories of this Bundesliga season with Irin Terzic and Bo Svensson, who both, in my opinion, should be strong contenders for coach of the season. Because what Bo Svensson has done at Mainz, a team that everyone thought, well, okay, it's going to be Mainz and Schalke directly relegated because Mainz were uh, abject, to say the least. They were rudderless and not going anywhere. Everybody got thrown out and fired. Then they brought in basically the old team and they grabbed Bo Svensson, who's done a miraculous job with Mainz, an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, and you can say the same thing with Idin Terzic, both coaches that nobody, that came in not at the beginning of the season, that came in after a previous coach had been let go and were in a rather dire situation and completely changed the tone of the season. So to me, these are two of the coaching stories of the season and should be candidates to win coach of the season. Yeah, uh, I don't even know who I would give it to. I think, honestly, what Bo Svensson has done after being in the Rückrunde level on points with Schalke, I think they both had seven points. Um, I think that's even a little bit harder to uh, achieve what Tessic has done with Dortmund. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's obviously close because the Tessic story is also just amazing. But uh, yeah, it's, it's probably between those two. Um, Archie... I don't know if if I want to say too many things about the game because, like I said, it wasn't the most interesting game. But um, what was interesting was uh, you had a fun little interview with uh, Jude Bellingham after the match. And, of course, uh, I haven't re even really mentioned his name in the context of the cup final, but I think in both those two games, he was also one of the better Dortmund players. So uh, what can you report from that? So... I think that Jude Bellingham is is a great character who you guys are going to have more fun with in at least the next year. He, uh, I, I asked him what he would be drinking to celebrate <laughs> he said the fact Capri that Sun. Dortmund, <laughs> yeah, are back in the Champions League, and because he's not of legal age to drink beer in the UK, but you can in Germany. I thought, okay. But yeah, as you say, Capri Sun was his choice. Um, he, he, I, it was interesting because Edin Terzic was, was still giving him plenty of instructions. He wanted him to come over uh, to, to give another passing option a lot in the first half. Kept on hearing him shouting, Jude, 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 and then just trying to pull him closer to the, to the touchline where Dortmund had the ball. 
Um, but he is supremely talented, supremely confident. There was a pass he hit in the warm-up for the game against Werder Bremen, which was just this, this full volley, uh, kind of which he hit sideways. And just ever since then, I, I've just been watching his technique in awe because it is, it is quite something uh, to, to have the confidence and swagger that he does when he's still 17 years of age. The thing that I would also pick out report from this is that Edin Terzic has taught Mo Dahoud how to press <laughs> and how to tackle and win the ball back. And that is something that I didn't think I would see this season. Motorhood has many qualities, but boy, has he cost the team on a couple of occasions with his lacks and his uh, laid-back interpretation of winning the ball back. I will never forget the, uh, the look on, uh, and indeed the sound of Erling Haaland away at Cologne <laughs> when he was shouting, Mo, Mo, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, when when Dahoud uh, was trying something for a second time, having also just yeah, like uh, let let let's put it this way, it, it looked like he was playing a, a very um, a very relaxed game of tag in the park when uh, when Cologne got forward for their second goal. So I think that actually it was those little details there. Matthias was talking about Jaden Sancho. You've seen how difficult he is to defend in the last week in that RB Leipzig didn't have a clue how far to stand off him. Neither did Mainz. Uh, at times they got too tight. And the thing is, if you get too tight to Jaden Sancho, then uh, he will, he'll dribble past you. Then I think the correct thing to do, I think, is, is you want to try and offer him a running duel. You don't want to get into a dribbling duel with him. If you get into a dribbling duel with him, he will win. If you get into a, a sprint off, He's quick, but he he has this cage footballer mentality of no, I want to dribble past you. I think it's it's like sewn into his DNA um, that that he picked up. So uh, I, yeah, it was it was a professional performance, and that in itself is something that has is is an evolution from. Uh, from Terzic's Dortmund. That's something that just wasn't there at the start of the season or indeed midway through the season. Yeah, I, I think everything you just said is uh, 100% correct and I have nothing further to add. So, Matthias, <laughs> <laughs> we are now a side that has qualified for the Champions League in the process of getting there. Obviously, um, first of all, what I wanted to say, um, the... <laughs> the three-dimensional chess that Dortmund have played by getting the announcement out that Rose will leave Gladbach early and with that triggering the avalanche of then Gladbach announcing early that they will get Hütte and then basically the entire Hütte feel-good moment co collapsing in Frankfurt and that uh, shattering Frankfurt's hopes and dreams uh, even though I do not play any play any pleasure in this but this is pretty much how it how it went down that uh, the uh, the the effect of coaches leaving at the end of the season I think you saw them all with Leipzig you saw it with Gladbach you saw it with Frankfurt so um that that all being said um that's that's obviously one one aspect of Dortmund's uh, comeback of making up these seven points uh, to Frankfurt even though as I said before I take no pleasure in it because I was really rooting for Frankfurt to get into the Champions League and uh, was hoping for Wolfsburg to collapse a little harder but uh, Matthias now we are in the Champions League and obviously uh, that means uh, in, in the process uh, there was some team building going on um, but obviously the ramification for, for, for this are huge in a positive way um, what do you think uh, will be the positive knock-on effect that Dortmund have actually a little bit against the odds in the end uh, clinched this, you know, I would say uh, very important for the club, uh, you know, the spot fourth or third, whatever it will be. 
Well, first of all, uh, echoing your first point with the dominoes, I think that's the point when Schmutke and the Wolfsburg leadership looked at Oliver Glasner and said, you better shut the fuck up, man, because <laughs> this, this isn't going well for the other guys. So you be quiet about your contract ending next year. Um, so Wolfsburg collapse next season. But the, uh, what this means in a greater context is, I believe a Erling Haaland's going to stay around another season. I, you know, I mean that's been said definitively now for weeks. But now that you say, "Hey, we are in the Champions League, Erling," we continue to showcase you at the highest level. Please don't leave us yet. Um, that I think is, I would say, I, I feel ninety percent confident that Holland's going to stay. Well, I I, th- I I think Dortmund were probably going to force it through one way or another, but I feel like now it's going true, to be just a now, little less stressy with dealing correct. with Riola and this entire ordeal. Exactly. exactly. It's going to be everyone, oh, we're all happy now. You won a cup and uh, we're going to the Champions League uh, in, with a meaningful club not called Red Bull Salzburg. So uh, then you look at other, you know, all the other players that are in the side that are key players. You mentioned Jude Bellingham. Obviously, he's going to want to stick around and he will. Uh, And Dahoud is now the man, in my opinion. I still don't understand why Löw didn't even consider him now for Germany, but it's fine. Then, then, you know, I mean, he's, he's one of the best playmaking central midfielders in the Bundesliga and for Germany. I mean, if you would have Dahoud and Kimmich in midfield, uh, there's going to be more dynamism in there than with Toni Kroos. But, you know, that's a different story for a different podcast and so on. Uh, but he is now a star in Dortmund's side. And Jaden Sancho is the one that I'm really curious about because... You know, in the first few seasons when he's a young guy and he made a few questionable decisions, um, and but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, if my questionable decisions at that age were made public knowledge on social media, I probably wouldn't have a job. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that, all, that all being said, uh, you've really seen over the last few months how much he's identifying with Dot One. And maybe it's a farewell tour. Maybe he's like, I'm leaving and now I realize how much I really love it here. Or it could be, I'm thinking about leaving. Oh, but I really love it here. And maybe I'll stay. That's the one that'll be interesting because that's the domino in the side, not Holland, but Sancho, that will also determine how much money don't want to have available to invest in areas that I think they need to, you know, like a real right back, um, maybe a center back that is a center back that can, you know, spell Akanji and Mats Hummels. And, you know, maybe move Guerrero in central midfield and have a left back that actually tracks back and possibly upgrade at the keeper position. You can't do all of that if you don't have a sizable chunk of money coming in that, yes, the Champions League money is there, but they transfer money given that we are still in a pandemic economic world for sports. That's the key transfer. And the question is, is Dortmund better off with him? Or better off without him knowing where you're going to be upgrading and hoping that players like Gio Reyna become more consistent and grow. Uh, you, I don't think you can get rid of Togan Azad in that moment. The question is then, what is with Julian Brandt? I think Renier, in my opinion, you may as well cancel that loan. He's been a non-impact player. So there are key decisions there, but it all hinges, in my opinion, on Jaden Sancho. I spoke to Jaden Sancho for ESPN uh, couple of weeks ago and I asked him I asked him that very question so you want to stay right and the answer he gave I I would say was a very polite I've had a great time here but oh look at the time I think I better be off now but I really like everybody here and I don't want to sour anything but I think it's time and I think that given what he was purchased for, 7 million euros, was it, a couple of years ago? And I don't think anyone could have expected for him to explode in the way that he has done. But I, I put it this way, Matthias, I would be very surprised if if he is still at Borussia Dortmund this time next year. I- it's. It's a shame 
I he's one of those players who is just a joy to watch. Uh, and I guess in, in your cases, it's it's a joy to watch him play in your club's colours because he does things with a football that are just, yeah, magnificent. I've got in trouble with uh, some French supporting diversity Dortmund friends of mine for uh, for calling him the English Ronaldinho. Um, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But but that that's more about the lack of players with imagination that we see uh, over on on the island, uh, as as you say in Germany, uh, than it is to him actually being anything close to to that. I know he's a big Ronaldinho fan, and uh, he uh, he I think draws a lot of inspiration from him. But yeah, all signs point towards a a move back to England. I think this summer. Yeah, well, I will, would I would observe that with a very heavy heart because, as you just said, Matthias, uh, he absolutely identifies with the club, and I I think you can you can say that's very genuine. Uh, the development he is taking this season is absolutely unreal, and uh, it's obviously uh, sad to see players like him leave, especially uh, leave without a big audience and. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how title celebrations will or will not commence after the season. Uh, I haven't really, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, the last week I haven't really had any time to uh, read into what's going on at and around Borussia Dortmund. So uh, uh, I, I hope everyone can cut me some slack here. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that would obviously be a little bit heartbreaking. Um, but obviously... Uh, it's also just very, very nice to know how, how much of a great football we did manage to enjoy. Now, obviously, um, there is one game left this season. It's going to be a home match against Bayer Leverkusen. And uh, I'll be honest, I was very nervous about this particular game, uh, um, looking at the schedule uh, when Dortmund hadn't clinched the Champions League because Leverkusen is always a wild card and it can always go either way. You never really know, and especially usually the cliche on the final match day is that Leverkusen absolutely choked, but they had already choked this this much that they have nothing left to play for. Um, so, Matthias, as I said, this could be the final game of Jane Sancho. This will definitely be the final game of uh, Marcel Schmelzer and um, Lukas Piszczek. It might also be the, the final game of Thomas Delaney because I think he has been uh, linked... Uh, with English clubs, and I think that uh, that's ab absolutely a move that could make sense for him at this point in the career. Um, so obviously, this is always a match of saying goodbye. At the same time, of course, uh, Dortmund, I think, do want to stay ahead of Wolfsburg because of what Schmatke said after they faced uh, each other. When Schmatke said that looking at Dortmund's schedule, he is not really uh, too. Uh, <laughs> Too, too afraid of Dortmund pipping them, but now they are actually uh, ahead of Wolfsburg. And I think the, the goal difference is such that uh, if Dortmund win with uh, one goal uh, difference, then uh, Wolfsburg would have to beat Mainz, I think, by four goals. And Wolfsburg actually, and I looked this up earlier, uh, have only won uh, with a scoreline or a margin higher than four once, and that was a 5-0 win against Schalke. But obviously they are playing against Mainz, who I think have sobered up again. So, Matthias, what are we to expect of this uh, uh, final weekend of Bundesliga football this season? Well, I'm I'm expecting a four-four. Uh, just why not? Let's have some fun. It's Bosch. It's, it's I, not I Bosch. think there's also a good chance. Uh, <laughs> it's sorry, Bosch. it's Bosch. It's Bosch. Please football. don't yeah. don't, don't rub any more salt That's into right. the wound. This sorry. is still. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> I miss Peter Bosch. I like Peter Bosch. Um, <laughs> But it's it's Leverkusen. Sorry, that was more the I guess it's irrespective of who's on the touchline. Uh, I think there's also good chances Roman Bukki's last game as Dortmund player right. uh, on on Thomas Delaney. I'd like to say one thing because I got in some heated debates on Twitter with some people who know everything better than I do. I think uh, they're also just called debates. On debates. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. Yeah, um, Thomas Delaney. I'd hate to see him leave because I think he's a key player for Dortmund uh, and anybody that watched Dortmund this season knew how important he was. I mean, there were many matches where we here on the podcast said, I would like if it's a double pivot to be Dahut Delaney, Dahut Delaney. I mean, that's kind of where we leaned towards if it's a double pivot. 
Um, and then you can throw in Bellingham, but ahead of Emre Can and obviously Axel Witzel. I mean, maybe he won't be back next season. I'd, I'd keep Delaney over Witzel personally, but that's just my opinion. Um, him going to Southampton, I don't blame him for doing that because I think it's a league and a style that is perfect for him. He is uh, 29, I think now. Or he's a he's yeah, so he's pushing 30, so it's like it's like his last chance to go play in England. He's Danish, he's also American, he's spent time in Germany. It's like, yeah, let's have this one last adventure before maybe I go back to Denmark or play with Werder Bremen in the zweite Bundesliga. Um to to kind of you know have that adventure. So I don't blame it for him. I would hate to see him leave. These are all players I'd hate to see leave, uh, because I'm pretty sure there are players that are coming back from loan or that Dortmund are going to still hang on to where I'm like, really? You're still here? Why? Um, uh, not naming any names, Marius Wolf, but, um, you know, it's just, it, it, it'll be a great way to send off some players that I think are highly appreciated, Schmelza and Pischek, and players that I think are underappreciated, Bucky and Delaney. And obviously, Sancho, a super mega star, if not already, then definitely in the next few years. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, Archie, anything you expect uh, from from this match against Leverkusen? It it would have been interesting if Dortmund hadn't sealed their plays. Not not just for the fact that this would be a bit more exciting, but also for just the narrative that. Uh, another Dortmunder Jung uh, in uh, Hannes Wolf, Wolf yeah. at, at least in terms of his coaching past. Uh, the no, fact he's also that, from Dortmund. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Um, that he could have denied Dortmund that place in the Champions League. But now that it's also known that it's his last game at Leverkusen with them having their uh, their new coach, uh, Gerard Seyan. Oh really? Uh, I didn't I even know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Young Boys Ban being announced. I, I still need to work on the pronunciation. Um but it's uh, that's all done. So I I think yeah, it's I, I would also be from from an interviewing perspective, I would be really upset if Thomas Delaney leaves the Bundesliga just because he is by some distance, the best interviewee in the league. Um, because the way that he speaks English is a lot more entertaining than a lot of, than the way that most English people speak English. He just has a wonderful turn of phrase. I think back to before the Mainz game, he was speaking to a colleague of mine and was saying that, uh, that winning the, winning the cup was, was the cream, but getting into the Champions League would be getting the cake. And it's just like, how do you have such such a grasp of English <laughs> that, that is enviable? I would say to uh, to, to to most. And yeah, uh, his, his description of Jaden Sancho uh, from a couple of years ago. I spoke to him after uh, a derby win where he'd scored against Schalke, and I just remember him saying that whenever you're playing against Jaden Sancho uh, in training, he he makes you uh, he makes you shake in your pants. And I still think that that is probably the best description of what it what it must be like as a defender to play against Jaden Sancho. So yeah, it's from from a neutral perspective with a heavy heart if Thomas Delaney goes, but also it, to to be a little more serious, he is dressing room glue. You need characters like Thomas Delaney who are realistic in the way that they view things. Who are not prepared who are not prepared to shy away from things when the going gets tough. I would think that as as much as Dortmund have a glut of yeah good central midfielders there, I think that uh, if if I was Dortmund, I would also be be tapping him on the shoulder and being like, but we do need you here still. There is there is still very much a part of us that that needs you here. But the thing is, as as you're saying, Matthias, 29 this is last big move territory for him in, in his prime years. Um, and look, as a Fulham fan, I'm, I'm gutted that he'll go to Southampton <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if that move does indeed turn out. Um, because, yeah, I think, I think he'd be a very good signing 
uh, yeah, any mid-table Premier League club. Yeah, I think uh, that can sort of conclude our Leverkusen preview because I honestly don't have too much more things to say on this game and uh, I really need to eat. <laughs> I haven't had any breakfast yeah. yet, so I need to take care of that as well. So, Matthias, uh, I know you have to uh, do other stuff as well, so uh, I'll I'll leave uh, you with the uh, first pick of a prediction and, of course, uh, you can tell our listeners where to follow you on the Twitter. Well, I mean, I said 4-4, four, four, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, let's be a little bit more realistic and go 3-2 Dortmund victory. Just funsies at the end. And you can disagree with me about Delaney, Birki, and the like, and Guerrero's defensive positioning on Twitter, at Matthias <laughs> Yeah, Archie, if... Uh If if people actually want to see how you flex your interviewing muscles on Twitter, and I, I really appreciate the long-winded threads that you are putting out there, uh, where can they find that, and what's your prediction for said game? So, uh, at ArchieRT1 is my Twitter handle, and prediction is 4-4. Yep, I'll... Uh, I'll 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 make sure to remember that when Dortmund win eight nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I am hoping for mayhem. I'm hoping that Leverkusen pin up a photo of Peter Boss on on the dressing room wall, and they're like, you know what we're doing this for? We're doing this in memory of him. I mean, they probably should have done this. Like, I mean, he's not dead, also, uh, but you know, <laughs> what I, I think that both teams should pay tribute to. What would Peter have done in All this right. situation? All right, in, so, in, in, in that case, it, it might as well uh, end five nothing, uh, or off. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if, for who. If you're mean about if you're mean about Peter Boss, we're gonna have trouble. All right, this is you know, Stefan, you're talking to to my footballing dad there. That's all right. You know, don't step out of line. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. So I'm just going to predict that that one will win this. <laughs> Five to three. Uh, like you said, it's going to be a crazy game. Uh, what else? Uh, so, yeah, you can follow me at Stefan Butzko and uh, everything shall go back to a more regular order now that I'm back in the United States. So uh, please stick around for more. As, as they say, stay tuned and you can do that at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to the show on YouTube, to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. wherever you... Download your podcast. If you want to contribute financially or become an episode sponsor, go to our patreon.com slash the yellow wall. I once again want to thank you, Matthias and Archie for coming on. And of course, uh, our dear listeners, I want to thank you especially. And I hope you all had a splendid time celebrating not only the cup win, but also reaching the Champions League. I, I do think that uh, it's a very big deal in considering that... Uh, Dortmund sort of ran the table and I think had six or seven Bundesliga wins straight in a row. Um, it's still a fantastic achievement. Um, I don't really care whether Dortmund are a team that should have been in uh, second place regardlessly. I think if you string that many wins together in the Bundesliga, which to me is still a rather competitive league, uh, then it's always a fantastic achievement. No matter what. So with all that in mind, uh, I hope you all have a fun weekend and enjoy a 5-3 win against Leverkusen. And with that, uh, as always, thank you for listening and goodbye.